0: Alright, we're beginning with Mark chapter 4, and uh, we are looking at the parables of Jesus. So, why don't we begin by somebody reading for us, starting at verse 1. Uh, let's read through, goodness gracious, let's just read through verse 13.
1: Again, he Jesus began, to, began teach. to teach by Science. the race.
2: It's in stereo.
0: (laughs) It did. You guys were right in sync. It was pretty amazing.
3: The crowd crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable?
0: All right. So, um, <laughs> Peggy, remind me, or somebody else too, uh, Deb Hildebrand broke her wrist as well. Oh, sure. uh, so she had to have some surgery, I think. <laughs> so she'll be she that's why she's not here we'll pray for her at the end okay so remind me to do that okay, okay. Did have to have surgery? yeah I believe so I have a text here but she texted me in the middle of the night so I was already in bed <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's um let's talk about this again Jesus began to teach by the lake the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake um, If you look at the Sea of Galilee, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, there is a little cove. Um, Well, I guess it goes the other way, right? There's a little cove that kind of sticks out like that. It's on the southeastern, southwestern side of the sea, close to Capernaum. Capernaum would be like here. And it's right here, and if you put a boat Right there in that little cove, and you sit people on the hillsides all around. Thousands of people can hear as if it's amplified. It's a natural amphitheater. And it's right there. And when God founded the foundations of the earth, do you think he had in mind that he would send his son one day to Capernaum and he built an amphitheater for him so that he could uh, speak to crowds? Um, without amplification it's pretty amazing so anyway this is we we pretty much know exactly where this would have taken place okay and uh that's just kind of cool when you think about it and you think about God's planning uh so that that's um we know the setting and uh now, let's talk a little bit uh, theologically about the way that he says this. The, the text actually reads, And Jesus uh, got into a boat and sat on the sea, um, which is strange wording. But would someone look up for us Psalm 29, verse 10? Somebody just flip over there and read it for us.
2: Said.
0: Yep. the Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Over the waters. Um, the Lord is enthroned as king forever. So we've talked about how Jesus is beginning his kingdom. He is now sitting at, enthroned over the waters. And it's just kind of a kind of an interesting the way that it's worded kind of gives us an echo of this passage. Um, and so Jesus is seated in the boat. You know, when you preach as a rabbi, you don't preach standing, you preach seated. And uh, that's probably a wise thing in a boat anyway. Uh, but Jesus is sitting in an authoritative position and he begins to proclaim. He starts out by saying, listen. Uh, the word listen uh, is important in this passage. Um, in, does anybody know what the word "listen" is in Hebrew? Uh, the word "listen" or "hear" is the word "shama," and "shama" is the um, is is the beginning of the the prayer or the creed that's proclaimed in Deuteronomy chapter six. "Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one." It's the first prayer. That anyone learns as a little Hebrew child, Shema Israel, Adonai, Elohenu, Adonai, Echad. Uh, that's all I remember from Hebrew class, but it's very impressive, so I pull it out when I can. Um, so uh, that is the Shema, and, um, and so Jesus begins by saying Shema, here. And this word here is repeated like 13 times in this passage. Um, and it forms in many ways an inclusio um, at the beginning and the end of the parable. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow a seed. And then verse 9, Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. hear." Same word, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, So this same word, Shema, shows up time and time again, and then all the way at the end of the sermon, Jesus ends by saying, with many, others, with many similar parables, verse 33, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could hear. Uh, the NIV says understand because it's trying to interpret it out for us, but it's the same word, hear, okay? Yeah. No, they would have thought most probably that it was referring to the waters of chaos. Okay, because um, the waters in in ancient mentality stood for chaos. Okay, because nobody knew what was going on under the water, right? And so the sea was a scary, scary place. That's where Leviathan lived. That's where the sea monster lived. You didn't know anything about what was going on under the sea. And so it was a symbol for, uh, for chaos, for disorder, for uh, all those things. And so the, the Lord sitting enthroned over the waters is, a, is an image of God bringing control to the uncontrollable. Okay. And and how is this story going to end? It's going to end with the sea becoming uncontrollable, and Jesus is going to control it. Just saying.
1: And in Genesis, we learn that in the beginning, the whole earth was covered by the
0: sea. The whole earth was in disorder, in chaos, and then God says, "Let me bring it into order." Okay, that's what the creation is all about. Very good. Now, let's move on to the parable, the parable of the sower. Um, Let's talk about the parable of the sower. Uh, If you'll notice, uh, Jesus is going to give us both the parable, and then later he's going to give us the interpretation of the parable, because the disciples came to Jesus and said, Great story, Jesus. Love your sermon. I think the people really are into it, but we have not a clue what you're talking about. And so Jesus explained it to them, all right? And so if you notice, there is, Jesus begins with the parable, and then we have a teaching in verse 10, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, and then we have the interpretation of the parable. This is one of those Markin sandwiches. So we have parable, parable, same parable, and in the middle we have the meat, And cheese, okay? Um, And so we'll talk about that structure here in a moment. But let's talk about the parable. Um, What does it mean? First of all, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Who's the farmer? Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the farmer. Um, He is the scatterer of seed, right? Uh, He is the one who is proclaiming the word. And the seed is? The word We know that from the interpretation. You've all studied this uh, because you've done your homework, and I know that. And so um, Jesus says, "Listen, a farmer went out to sow a seed. Jesus is the farmer, and the seed um, the seed is the word. And you know, the disciples eventually will be the farmer. They will be the ones who will pick up the Messianic mantle, eventually. Um, As a matter of fact, by chapter 6, when Jesus sends them out with authority to preach, okay? And then later, eventually us, we become the sowers of the seed, right? Um, And the Word is still the same. The Word is the identity of Jesus Christ. All right, so now let's talk about the soils. Um, We have four kind of soils, right? Um, So... What are these four soils? First. Sorry. <laughs> <coughs> the path. Tell me about the path. Hard packed, Hard. Hard. Okay. Um, Jesus said... To the disciples, verse 10. Let's jump over there for a minute. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. I want you to notice this story is not... Mark is editing this. This is not happening. It's not a historical account. We know this because by the end of the story, the Bible says that Jesus is still in the boat. And they took him away. But here in the middle, the disciples and the others come to him and ask him privately what's going on. Well, we know this happened later, right? So Mark clearly is editing this for theological reasons. He wanted to put this question and the explanation in a certain place, right? Um, But he's he's not telling the story as it happened. He's telling the story in a certain way for us to understand it in a certain way okay do you understand what I'm saying okay okay so just note that all right um he said he told them verse 11 the secret of the kingdom has been given to you but to those on the outside everything is said in parables and then he later says don't you understand uh, don't you understand this parable how then will you understand any parable Okay? So this is obviously a very important parable for them to understand. Why is it such an important parable? Because this parable is describing the crowd that's sitting on the hillside. Okay? Because any crowd is filled with four soils, any crowd has these four kinds of people in it. The key is. You don't know which one is which, right? Mm-hmm. If I look around, I don't know what's in your hearts. I don't know what kind of soil you are.
4: We're here, huh? We're
3: here. Yeah, but, but they were. There was thousands of people there. Right. Yeah. yeah. They didn't all receive. Yeah.
4: Yeah, but I mean,
3: we're here. We're here. What?
4: At it. We want
0: to know more right okay yeah so the path is hard packed soil who are the people that have path hearts they're hard-hearted, they're hard-hearted. and in our in in the original crowd they would be the religious leaders right the pharisees right they've already made up their mind who jesus is don't confuse me with the facts right They're not listening anymore. And so the word of God falls on their heart, right? When Jesus preaches it. And the birds come and take it away. And it never penetrates. Never makes a difference. In one ear, out the other. Okay, makes no difference. Um, So we know that in this crowd, there are people. There are Pharisees. There may be Herodians. Uh, and there may be others that have hardened hearts, um, that are path people. Um, now, when I stand up in front of the church this Sunday, because well, I have to preach this Sunday, and look out in the in the crowd, will there be people that are path people?
2: Yes.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been in this church for forty years. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Would you agree with me, John? I'm not talking necessarily about you. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. You've been around people that have been in church forever, and there's been no change. The word has fallen on their hearts, and it hasn't made a difference in their lives. If (laughs) you've been over
2: 40, are
0: we okay? I love it. All right. Um, next, what's the next kind of soil? Rocky. Rocky. rocky hey you. How you doing? <laughs> um, so the rocky soil. What is that? What is that like? Not much soil. Okay. It's shallow. Shallow soil. It Washes away. It washes away. Yeah. Um, it, it has no depth, so the root structure can't go down and establish the plant. Uh, it lacks moisture, right, because the top layer of soil is drier because it's affected by the heat of the sun. And so it, the roots can't get down to where there might be moisture because they run into the rocks. And so what happens when the sun comes up? Wilts. It wilts, okay? The plant wilts and dies. So it grows up quickly, and then it wilts and dies. All right? Um, this is the characteristic of rocky or shallow soil. Are there shallow kind of people there in this crowd that Jesus is attending to?
1: Yes. Yeah,
2: sure.
0: Yeah, what kind of people would they be?
1: Well, they're the kind that latch onto whatever new idea came along this week.
0: they 're there for the show, right? I mean, think about it. Jesus has got a pretty good show going on, right? I mean there 's demons you know manifesting themselves Jesus is casting them out, and everybody 's going, Whoa! and Jesus is healing people and he 's doing all these miracles, and he 's saying these incredible things. And people are enthralled with it. I mean, it's better than Jerry Springer. I mean, it's, it's crazy. All kinds of crazy things are happening. And they're coming from all over to see him. And so everybody's coming out. And so you've got a lot of people that are there just for the show because it's exciting and, and we're here. But what happens when persecution arises, when, it, when the going gets tough?
2: They,
0: they wilt. Right? Yeah. Because they have no depth. All right? Uh, are there people like that in our services on Sunday morning? Yeah. There are people that come just because, well, it's the right thing to do to come to church. You know, maybe I should come because... Pay your dues, pay your dues or whatever it is. I mean... Um, there's lots of motives that people come to church, and you're like, why are you even here, right? They're just here maybe for because their mom always said you should go to church, right? <laughs> and they still haven't gotten past that, all right? So there are people that are shallow, and when persecution comes and when difficulty comes into their life, there's no depth, right? Okay, what's the next one?
2: The oh, one sweet.
0: Okay, thorns. What's the what is the operative uh, condition of a thorny soil?
1: Too much competition.
0: Competition. Exactly. Competition. That's what he was writing. There's something else. Exactly. Say where. There is. There's something else going on in there, right? Something else. That's competing. It's relatively good soil, but there's something else that's growing in that soil. It's already occupied. Like
4: false idols.
0: Yeah, false idols. Um, uh, Jesus is going to talk about this in many ways. Uh, like wealth is a big one, right? Um, we're going to see this with a guy we know as, in the Bible as the rich young ruler, Mark chapter 10. He's going to be the perfect example of... This kind of soil, so close, but yet, when it comes to making the decision about really following Jesus, they just can't get there can't because cultivate. they can't let go. You
4: can't cultivate soil. Either. That's right. Yeah, a of honey is the root.
0: That's right. <laughs> root. Yeah. So, so we've got those kind. Of, are there people like that in the crowd? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, there are. What about in church? Yeah. yeah, there that's are a lot so of people like that. I
4: haven't met any of these, you, know. you
0: haven't met anyone haven't like this.
4: <laughs> well, I feel blessed. <laughs> so, so
1: going a little further into his explanation, you, you did mention the, the wealth and things of that nature, but the first thing he mentioned is the worries of this world.
0: Yes. And, um,
1: you know, that's, that is a, that's a struggle for myself. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put myself in somewhat thorny soil. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah. Going, you know, just how do I let go of the worries?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. Yeah. So, and some days I do well. Some hours I do well. That's right. And some hours and some days not so well.
0: I'm going to preach this week, this this Sunday on unforgiveness. And there are some people that hold on to hurt, that hold on to. Things that have happened in their life. And they won't let go of them. And it becomes for them the same kind of competition. And they won't move on in their Christian life because they won't let go of the hurt and the anger and the uh, all of that. The bitterness.
4: Yeah, the lack of forgiveness. I read something just this week that if if you um, don't forgive someone, that's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I like that. That's good. Yep, just to spite them.
4: Under competition, okay. could we possibly include other religions, syncretism, heresy? Yeah, yeah. Because it competes with
0: the truth. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. It was certainly around during this time. Yeah So what is what's the nature of good soil? It's fertile. Okay. It's fertile, it's... Yep. Okay. It's fertile soil. It's good soil. It's free of rocks. It's free free of weeds. It's free of all those things. Well, does that kind of soil actually really exist in nature? Yes. yes. Um, if you yeah. work
2: on
1: it, oh, it no. exists. In people that get up at six o'clock yeah. in the morning to come
0: to Bible study. <laughs> Amen, brother. Um, you know, but I would I would contend that usually good soil is prepared soil, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think here we have the element of the Holy Spirit that prepares soil, right? Prepares the hearts of men. We don't know whose hearts God is working in. We don't know which hearts are being prepared by the Holy Spirit, but there are some that have been weeded and de-rocked and all of these things so that they become good soil. Um, Are there people with good soil in Jesus' crowd? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know the 12, right? And the others, right, who are disciples who are beginning to follow Jesus. Are there people with good soil at church? Yes, Yes, absolutely. Right? And so when Jesus stands to preach, he stands before all of these people. But it's hidden who they are. You don't know. You cast the seed, you scatter the word. Okay? That's what this parable means. It is describing the crowd. We're going to go on because we have to. Um, uh, Jesus then says, uh, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Okay? The secret of the kingdom has been given to you. What, what is the secret of the kingdom? Jesus. Jesus is the secret. Why? What's the dynamic? Everyone on the outside receives parables. But the disciples come to Jesus, the 12 and the others around him. That's the larger group of disciples. They came and they asked Jesus about the parable. And Jesus then explains it to them. What is the difference between the people outside and the people inside? Access to Jesus. Jesus is the secret, okay? So let's see what he says. He says, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven.
2: (gasps) But isn't that what he wants?
0: This is a hard one for me. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) If you don't ask that question, then you're not reading the Bible. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Doesn't he want them to repent? And the answer is yes and no. Jesus is God. uh, Can we all agree on that? God is both loving and merciful and also just and righteous. He is the perfect balance between the two. Okay? Jesus has now been officially rejected by the religious leaders. And so Jesus preaches in parables. And we think, what is the definition of a parable? What's the definition of a parable?
4: An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an
0: earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? That's the Sunday school definition. That's not the definition of a parable, according to this passage. Okay? We tend to think that parables are illustrations that help us understand the kingdom. And it's true to a certain extent. But Jesus is saying that parables are a code. This is what a parable is. You know what this is?
4: Put the sand in it and sift out the little It's a sifter, right? To
0: sift your sand. Well, what does a sifter do? It separates. (laughs) It separates. It separates. And that's what a parable is for. That's what Jesus is saying. This is what the scripture is telling us. The parable is a separator. Jesus goes out and he sows the seed. He proclaims the truth in parabolic form with a hidden meaning. And people go, huh, nice story. What's he talking about? <laughs> I have no clue what he's talking about. And he says, listen. Okay, I'm listening, but I don't get it. And so for those outside, they have to make a decision. Do I want to understand what Jesus is saying? If I want to understand that I have to come from outside to inside, and I have to humble myself, and I have to identify with Jesus, and I have to say, Jesus, I don't understand what the parable means. Can you explain it to me? And to everyone who's inside, Jesus explains the parable because they have access to the secret of the kingdom, which is Jesus. Get it? Mm -hmm. See how it's a sifter? See how it's separating? And so the people who are outside who want to accuse Jesus, they're stuck with a story that they don't understand. And they're going, I know he's talking about us. Several times the Pharisees will say at some point, right? Mm -hmm. We know he said that about us, but we don't know what he's saying. Right? And they just get angrier and angrier, right? Because they're not willing to go inside. They stay outside. And so what the parable then, one parable becomes to those outside, judgment, because they've heard the word, but they don't understand it. And to those inside, it becomes blessing because it becomes an illustration of the kingdom. And they understand the truth. So do you see what's happening? Jesus is both judging those who are his opposition and he is... It, teaching those who are his followers.
4: It's like we used to make tea in the South. You had the loose tea, and you put it in the pan with the hot water, and in order to drink the tea, you've got to do what? You've got to pour it through the tea sifter. Do you remember, ladies, yeah, remember making start. tea with the tea sifter? Oh, yeah, I still, still do. do. Yeah,
0: All right, there it is. You've got to
4: sip the leaves out.
0: That's right.
1: You know, in verse 13 there, he tells them that... Uh, Tell you a lot of parables, and uh, keep in mind that think about them in terms of it being a parable and figure out what this means, and so this is your first one, I'll explain it to you, a lot of the rest of you you'll have to figure them out. You can be
0: on your own. <laughs> is there any, exactly. s-
4: any significance in the fact that the um, quote that they made, yes ever be seeing but never perceiving comes from isaiah isaiah chapter six and, and it comes right after
0: it's the calling narrative of jesus of, of isaiah. isaiah and um isaiah's call was a call of judgment and god says who will go for us and isaiah says "Here am, I, send me right and god says then you will go to this people Remember, when God says this people instead of my people, he's angry. You don't want to be in that situation. God says, go to this people and tell them so that they will be ever hearing but not perceiving. Okay? He, this is the quote from that passage. Because God's judgment was already going to come upon them because God is a just God. And the word of God becomes, in this case, judgment for them. So we see that the word of God is both judgment and mercy at the same time. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not always easy to swallow because we think of Jesus as sweetness and light. But Jesus is God, and he is both just and righteous as well as loving and merciful.
4: But I still have a hard time thinking, doesn't he still want the Pharisees to turn? Yes,
0: he does. But they must come inside. Yeah. They can't do it from outside. If they want truth, they must come to Jesus like Nicodemus comes. Even as he comes in the night, he must come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you can't humble yourself and come to Jesus, then you will not have access to the secret of the kingdom. You've got to humble yourself.
2: They could have been the others. I mean. No one was keeping them out. They could have made the decision. That, hey, let's, let's follow them in and find out what he said. Exactly. They made the choice to not go in.
0: They made the choice not, not to go in. Exactly. So it becomes judgment for them. So let's move on because uh, we're not a lot of time. So we got to move on. Verse 21. And he said to them, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl Or a bed, instead, don't you put it on a lampstand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right. So, let's talk about that. What is hidden? The light. Okay, the lamp, right? Okay. So, what is hidden? The identity of Jesus. So Jesus' identity is hidden, right? Nobody knows who he is yet, but it's going to come to light. Because, uh, and there's something interesting here. Let me let me just pause here because this is cool. Um, there is a uh, this this issue of the lamp. Um, if you were to translate this passage, this, this, um, this little saying that Jesus gives, parable, sort of parable, um, about the lamp. Lit- literally, in the Greek, it's awkward. And when you run into something awkward, you got to go, huh? why would he say it that way? So he says, does the lamp come in order that it might be placed under the bowl or under the bed? The lamp is the subject of the sentence. In the translations, in English, it's always, do you, you is the subject of the sentence. Take the lamp and put it under the bed. Because that's what makes sense. But it actually says, does the lamp come so that it might be put under the bed? Now, it's very interesting because in the Old Testament... In 2 Samuel chapter 21, there's this great story of King David. He's old, very old, and he goes into battle, and he goes to fight one of the champions of the enemy, and he goes out to fight, but he's too old, right? And he's about to get his butt kicked, right? And so one of his young, mighty men, Abishai, has to come in and save his bacon at the last minute. And so the mighty men sit David down and they say, you're not going into battle anymore so that the lamp of Israel may not be extinguished. Oh. David was the lamp. Mm-hmm. And then in Second Samuel chapter 22, which is actually Psalm 18, it's repeated in Second Samuel, it's David declares, Lord, you are the lamp. And so the lamp is David, and the lamp is the Lord, and so the Messiah is the the son of David, the God, God, the lamp.
4: The light of the world. Does
0: the lamp come? Jesus says. In order to be hidden under a bed? He's talking about himself. Okay, isn't that cool? I think that's pretty cool. So uh, you got all that kind of hidden in there. Now that's the fish, man. That's a piece of fish right there. So, so Jesus' identification, his ID, is, his his identity is hidden. What else is hidden? His mission.
4: His, his mission. Godly Cer- Certainly,
0: his mission. Mission. Um, also, the intentions. The intentions of the Pharisees are hidden, right? Because they went out secretly and conspired with the Herodians about how they might kill him. And that's all hidden right now, right? But Jesus says, that which is hidden will be revealed because the lamp doesn't come to be hidden under a bed. Eventually, what is hidden will come to light, right? And so what is hidden in men's hearts will be revealed. What else is hidden?
3: Next sentence is let those that have ears hear, hear. So he starts with that. Uh-huh. So, but he tells this parable that they he says, Don't you understand? Don't you have ears to hear? Right. And, and so the 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 message, the the meaning is hidden, but it will be revealed.
0: Yes. The meaning of the parable is hidden. Soil. Right? And also the condition of men's hearts is, is hidden. Right? But eventually we're going to find out what kind of soil you have. There is a means by which we will find out what kind of soil that you have. Okay? Let's talk about it because that's the next parable. The parable of the growing seed or the parable of the scatterer of seeds. This is a parable you will never hear preached because nobody understands it. (laughs) But it's my favorite parable. (laughs) So let's read it quickly. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Amen. Don't you love that? I mean, that'll preach, won't it? What in the world is he talking about? Okay. Well, um, We don't have a lot of time to look at the fish. So I hope you've been looking at it and you've been scratching your head about this parable earlier. Um, This is the man who scatters seed on the ground. So that sounds similar to the parable of the sower, right? The key here is verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. He does not know how. He goes to sleep. Okay? The man goes to sleep. In other words, he sows the seed. And then he goes to sleep. Yeah. He's done. Right? Yeah. And then what does a farmer do?
4: Wait for it to Wait. grow up. Yeah.
0: He waits for growth. To
4: see what happens.
0: To see what happens. What's going to happen on the pathy soil? Nada. Nothing.
4: Nothing.
0: Right? Not zippo. There's not going to be any growth. So what is hidden has been revealed. That's pathy soil. Hardened hearts. There's nothing going on there. Do you waste any time with path soil? No. But then he starts to see sprouts happening all over the field. And so he starts to tend to that growth. But when the sun comes up and it gets nice and hot and dry, some plants begin to wither. And he goes, aha. What does he say? rocky soil it's not worth it Mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste any more time on those plants because they're all withered and died because it's on rocky soil they have no hope of growing okay they're just going to wither and die and he continues to sleep wake up and watch
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and then others grow up and then he sees other vines and stickers and thorny plants growing up in the midst of them. Guess what? It's thorny soil. You see, what is hidden will be revealed. But eventually, the good soil will be identified. And how is it identified? It's identified by the growth. Well, what does growth look like? What does growth look like? Growth looks like People come in and asking questions, like the disciples that came and said, great sermon, Jesus, but I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Can you explain it to me? And Jesus says, bing, growth. That's what growth looks like when people come and ask, right? And so those who come and show interest in the gospel, who come with their questions, like, like we just heard this question Well this doesn't make any sense This doesn't look like the Jesus that I understand Why would he say this? Why would he say such a thing? And Jesus would say good question <laughs> You're asking The right question Marla It means that Demonstrates growth You see so when we ask the, it, It's all about asking the questions Right Because as we ask those questions Then Jesus can give us answers it's the same thing It was happening in chapter 2 when people were coming and asking questions and Jesus was giving them answers and revealing more about himself. The dynamic hasn't changed. Just we have a sifter going on. Now in order to get the answers to your questions, you've got to come inside instead of staying outside.
4: But the seed is scattered. That's the important thing. It's scattered all over. All
0: over because you don't know, you know who's what's going hidden. To be
4: receptive to it
0: because what's on the surface may look different
4: yeah
1: Also there's an aspect of this that the, the farmer doesn't really understand how and why spreading the seed on the good soil it grows and, and eventually makes yeah uh, but he doesn't have to know all that. all he has to know is if you do this, and this, and this, and this will happen. And, right. Uh, you don't have to understand it; you just have to believe it.
0: Right. And we don't have to know what's going on underneath the in the hearts of men and women. We don't need to know. All we have to do is scatter the seed. So, in, in essence, it's really freeing. This is Jesus' method of evangelization.
2: So we scatter. So we scatter the seed, but the Holy Spirit.
0: And then you go to bed and you wake up and you go to bed and you don't know what's going on, but you trust that God is at work because you know that all of these exist and you know that what's hidden will be revealed. And so you wait for growth and the, the, the measure of growth will tell you what kind of soil is there and you attend to that growth because when the harvest is ready what do you do you put in the sickle and you harvest the fruit of repentance right so we tend to the growth at at its proper time but we wait we wait isn't that good i mean we get so stressed out you know i think so many times we think well I just, you know, Martha needs to accept Jesus and I'm going to keep throwing seed at her and I'm just throwing seed at her and throwing seed at her, right? And then I take the bucket and I hit her over the head with a bucket of seed and that's not going to help. I have to scatter the seed and I have to wait for growth. And when I see that growth, I tend to the growth because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our work. We know not how.
4: And look, she has we know not, we'll not how. Mm-hmm. See that? And Chair? we're sometimes let you throw the seed. <laughs> 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 but isn't it part of our job to go in there and pull, pull some weeds and throw and
3: clear no. some rocks? No, no,
0: no. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Fact, you see? Terrible exactly about that.
3: He says, "No, no leave the weeds there, because otherwise you might damage some of the good, good plants that are growing. Just let it all go, Then at the harvest." We'll sort it out. The weeds will be bundled up, thrown away, burned, and the
0: good stuff is left. Right. The Holy Spirit is to sort out the mess in our lives. And we have a tendency to want to get in into people's lives and meddle meddle around. Like, let's say for example we got somebody who comes to church who's a homosexual, living a gay lifestyle. What is our responsibility? Given the word. So the seed. Sow the seed. There may be all kinds of things going on in their life. We sow the seed, and we look for growth, and we tend to the growth. And if they come to know Jesus, we bring them, we harvest. But we let the Lord work in their lives, and we give them the truth, and we allow the Holy Spirit to sort out all of this stuff. Because you can't force your hand into somebody's life and try to fix it doesn't usually end well, right? So, um,
2: <laughs>
0: so, and again, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. And when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Well what's he saying here? I think it's this is like a twofold parable. One is individually. It just takes a little bit of seed to grow. It doesn't make any difference how small
2: it is or that you may think it is. That's
0: right.
4: Maybe some little something that you've done or said that
0: might have helped How many people's testimonies are I heard somebody said, Jesus loves you, and that was enough. It wrecked me. It broke me. It brought me to the Lord, and now their life is completely changed, right? Is a mustard seed that grew into something incredible, right? It doesn't take much of the word to make a change. And I think it's also speaking of the kingdom of God, because he says the kingdom of God is like, right? And the, So the kingdom is starting small. It's these tw- you can fit the whole kingdom of God in a boat. <laughs> that's not much. Right? In a fishing boat. Jesus and the twelve. But what's going to happen? It's going to grow and it's going to fill the whole earth. Okay, that's what the kingdom is going to do. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them. As much as they could hear He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Inside, outside. Do you see how incredibly structured this passage is? We tend to think that these passages in in the Bible, Oh, this is the section where Mark just threw a bunch of parables together. Strung them together uh, as an example of what Jesus' preaching was like. No. This particular set of parables is a teaching in and of itself. And that's where the power lies. Not just each individual parable. I've had you